There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. Este es PJ, yo soy Dean y nosotros somos los chicos de los libros. Sí, ¿qué tal todos? ¿Cómo están? La música venezolana. A belated Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Sponsored by Sponsored by Bookish Man with very low voice, sounding like they should work <laughs> in television.com. <laughs> And that was improvised. And este es el programa de los chicos de los libros. Cógelo, cómpralo, libros. Sí, comprar, comprar. Okay, I thought I should do the intro in Spanish since I keep reading so many damn uh, Spanish books. But um, yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year and so forth. Uh, Feliz Reyes. Merry Christmas. Everything. Merry Christmas. So I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a jolly read during the jolly time. It's the end of the end of the year. Been a year, Dean. It's been a year. It has. And if you go on our social media channels, I put up a little two and a half minute video where I listed my top three books that I'd read this year. So you can go check those out. And I may be wearing nice. sexy antlers. So just a little, little hint. Well, if you want to see that, check out Patreon. So watching well, you... not really busy. <laughs> <laughs> so over on our OnlyFans, no. Did you know that yeah. if you go to booksboys.com, not only is there a link to our latest songs, the 2022 tips, but if you scroll right down to the bottom, we got some merchandise. You can get your Books Boys t-shirts just nice. in time for, well, we missed Christmas, but uh, yeah, actually well, it was out in time for Christmas. We just forgot to mention it last month because the show was uh, long. <laughs> and, if you're, and if you're feeling uh, Espanol, you can also get something for, uh, you know, Reyes Magos, the 6th of January. That's where they celebrate Christmas in Spain. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is, usually I would be in Spain for that, but this year I'm not, sadly. Um, ah, no. But instead yeah. you're reading less Spanish books. Well, that's it. But go get our T-shirts, yeah. get your Anna Karenina method and your, um, is this a holiday? Is this a holiday? And all the usual, keep calm and read your Dickens and all the, all the good things. Yeah. So, books, what's it all about? I was waiting for you to do the, you know, libros. De que se trata todo eso? Libros. No, no. No entiendo libros. ¿Qué son? <laughs> ¿Qué son los libros? 
They're paper subjects. Paper subjects. It's it's a it's a it's a thing that um, guys. If anyone knows any updates on what what books are or libros or knigi or um, any you know hon, I don't know. I've got so many different words, different languages. I believe it might be a compilation of leaves by now, Dean. That that mm. there's some hidden mystical methods uh, and some message in them. Deciduous leaves and sew them together, and it's books. Yeah. That's that's literally all you need to do. Guys, I mean, that's all. Like, yeah. PJ mentioned our Patreon, and if you go to patreon.com slash booksboys you can not only get this show a little bit early you can get a free t-shirt on there as well you can get some other bits and pieces i think we put up some poems and you can recommend books for us but you also get all of our extra shows in december alone we got books boys three days early then you got playboys episode 15 alex and i did much ado about nothing another uh shakespeare Then I put up two episodes of Music Man where I just looked at some of my old songs. Hot, hot, hot. Dark Place Robert and I did the final two episodes of The Sandman on Dark Place Dreamers and Mm -hmm. a Caper Captains with Alex. Uh, We did the Agatha Christie Evil Under the Sun. So there's so many shows up there. Nice. Go get them. Go get them. And it's only there for, for... As like much three as dollars or two two pounds exactly, fifty. Yeah. Yeah. It's less than so a coffee I mean, now. You know, if you got a coffee for yeah. two pounds fifty, you'd you'd owe them money. Exactly. Yeah. And remember, guys, you know, instead of buying that um, I don't know, instead of buying that toilet roll and trying to find Shakespeare within, trying to find King Lear within the toilet roll, just um, you know, you can check us out and we covered a lot of Shakespeare. We've shaken up his plays. And Indeed. there's a lot of extra content coming next year as well, so yeah, we can just announce it. Like next year, we're going to do a lot of Greek plays. So, guys, yeah, we got uh, we got our Greek plays. Let's talk about what we read this month. Uh, I did read some Spanish stuff, but that's coming later. The first thing I read, I don't know if you heard of this guy, uh, Victor Hugo. Uh, it's a little book, was big book called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Don't know if you ever heard what of this uh, this thing. I, I have, I have indeed, and it is known for being a very big novel. I believe is that correct? Oh, it's. Uh, it's about 500 pages, so it's not, uh, okay, it's not, only, it's not huge. Only know? 500 pages. Yeah. Nothing for you. We said, yeah, Victor Hugo, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, 1833, is when it was published in English, I think a year or two before in, in French, 1831, something like that. Um, we're talking Victor Hugo. You know you know it, right? You've seen the Disney movie. Everyone listening yeah, has heard movie, of The Hunchback, so I don't need to like go super in-depth. I'm going to say there's not very much of Quasimodo in, in this book. Um, oh, what do you mean? So the, it's not like in a Disney movie then? No, we're 160 pages in before we even get like this the baby little, little baby Quasimodo appears. Um, oh, and right. he, he appears very briefly once before that, um, but it's really not focusing on him uh, that much. But also, okay. it's a bit of the. Um, it's a bit of the Anna Karenina method uh, in use here because there's a there's a lot of filler, you know, a good hundred pages of filler throughout this book. It'll sort of say, and of course, Imodo resided in the uh, Notre Dame of Paris. Do you know about this church? I'm going to describe every feature of the building over the next sixty pages. And then All it's right, just, you know, so it, it's the manual for architecture, <laughs> a manual yes. for architecture instead of manual for agriculture. Yes. Anna 
And then it'll right. sort of say, and now we're right. in the Latin Quarter of Paris. Here is a 40-page, um, you know, pressy uh, describing the Latin Quarter of Paris. It, it, it's a lot of wasted material. <laughs> it really oh, is. Lord, okay. Well, look, it's, it's a classic Anna Karenina thing. you got to do it, you know what I mean? you got to gotta practice it. And it's very amusing. It. It's, 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 uh, it's very in, isn't it, at that, at that, like, the 1830s towards the 18, even to the 1880s, you know, yeah. It's a very big thing. Like for a good fifty years, everyone's big into writing big novels. Like, yeah, um, they are. It's it's interesting. It was, it was little, but there's very little story content. To be honest, it's just about <laughs> yes. description, isn't it? Realism, I suppose. Yeah. So fair enough. Yeah. Early on, they do briefly mention. Um, we do briefly see adult Quasimodo before we kind of get to his birth later on, and then his adulthood. He, he appears. So the book's a bit back and forward with the timeline, which I don't love anyway. Um, But we immediately see that people are mean to Quasimodo. So they call him a devil of a man. Look, he shows himself. He's a hunchback. He walks, but he's bow-legged. He looks at you, but he only has one eye. You speak to him, but he's deaf. You know, uh, and they they just kind of make fun of him. And they, we don't like him. And we, we find out later that even when he's walking in the street, people will like stick pins in his, in his hump to, to hurt him and, I don't know why uh, this book. Hmm. The people are all horrible, and I I don't know why. <laughs> to be it's me. It's reminding me a lot of uh, the Perfume by Patrick Zuskins. Did you see hmm. any parallels between that kind of being depicted as a monster and in Paris? Funny enough. Yeah, I suppose I, I suppose I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, what Quasimodo does is he's the bell ringer. Okay, so he rings the bells, and that's why he went deaf. He wasn't born deaf, but he did have the other deformities. Okay. okay. Um, but he can speak. You know, he's he's not mute or anything like that. Um, what's what's interesting is he lives with this priest. So he was fine. We find out a little bit later in the novel he was fine as a baby, and you know he's all kind of uh, I don't say mutilated, but he's not in a in a good state with all his various medical conditions and things. So the the yeah. the, the Parisians say, well, what do we do with this one, this little monster? Do we throw him in the river or the fire? And that's the discussion until the, yes. the priest says, well, I'm actually going to just keep him and, and like let him be alive. <laughs> so so I thought I liked the yeah. priest, um, but that will change later. He's a, kind of a monster himself. Maybe he's the real monster, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, he's good to, well, he's not nice to Quasimodo. He's kind of a cold, serious man, but he takes Quasimodo in, gives him, you know, work and shelter and food, and he's never mean to him. You know, he's maybe he's, he's the kind of person who is a bit, short with people or whatever but they have yeah. a bond and Quasimodo is very fond of him but he's a bit of okay. a villain to other people okay oh, okay yeah I get it yeah so is he also kind of portrayed like a monster he might not look like a monster but like people think he's yeah. character wise okay. I yeah. think that he's the he is actually the real monster okay right okay so it's just interesting the level of disgust they have for like the vulnerable people in this novel. And not just Quasimodo, we see it other times as well. Like, oh, here's a poor gypsy girl. Let's just humiliate her and degrade her. Or like a poor person comes up and they say, what kind of clothes are these to be wearing? You've got to get your better petticoats than that. And it's like, well, I have no money for food and I'm dying of starvation, you know? And yeah. they're just like, well, where's your fancy clothes? Like, they're just horrible people. <laughs> right. You know, what I find interesting about is it's, you said it written in the 1830s and that's, really the height of realism with Balzac, you know, parallel writing at that point and Charles Dickens writing a mm-hmm. bit later. But I mean, um, yeah, 39, um, in the late 30s. But I'm saying um, it sounds very much like naturalism more than realism, whereas, you know, like realism is all about more like the high class, not necessarily Balzac mm-hmm. doesn't talk about the high class, but they talk about society. They tend to talk about 
more the realistic depiction of society. Yeah. They don't go so gritty into the really low class like naturalism. It sounds like it's going really kind of dark and, um, you know, Zola, Benito Perez Galdós kind of esque. Yeah, this um, I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it gives me mm. some. I, I I see the Balzac parallels. Okay. to be honest, yeah. is there some humor? Because I find the op- one good distinction is realism is usually more humor than naturalism. There's a little is bit it, of humor that... once or twice, not a lot, only a very small <laughs> amount. Like really, there's okay. one scene in particular that stands out, which I'll get to in a minute or two. Um, okay, okay. Rest of it, not really. And it's kind of sad. So Quasimodo, um, there's a girl called La Esmeralda, and she's the um, this gypsy girl, and she lives with this like, kind of a clan, almost like an underground kind of you know village of of, of, of gypsies, and um, and they call themselves like the, the Prince of Egypt and the King of Judea and all these different kind of things. And um, and she's there, and they've, they've they've captured a guy, and they're gonna they're gonna kill him, and so she right. rescues this guy. So she's very respected among the gypsies because she's beautiful. Essentially, is the reason. So they're getting the guy to do ridiculous things, like we'll let you go if you can pickpocket this mannequin whilst wearing like all these bells and standing on a stool on one leg and you know twisting your body around. And he's like, well, then I'm gonna ring the bells, and then you're gonna kill me, and they're gonna hang him. And at the very end of it, they say, well, you can join us and become a rogue instead. You'll still get hanged, but not by us, by the authorities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they say, well, oh, hold on. We have a tradition. You can escape with your life if any woman will marry you. And all the women say, no, no, no. We want to see him get hanged. We want to see him get hanged. And in comes La Esmeralda. And she goes up and she rescues him and she marries him. And she mm-hmm. saves him. And they all respect her. We're but, not no spoilers, dude. Well, the, we're still quite spoiling. early in the book here. Um, You're a shocking man for the spoilers, you know, desperate. They don't yeah. have any real kind of relationship. She just saves his life. She's not interested in him. Okay, so this is important. He's quite devoted to her, and in particular to her pet goat. <laughs> but that is basically it. And he loves the goat, I think, more than her in the end. He never touches her. She won't, you know, sleep with him. He doesn't try to force it. He's just kind of happy that she saved his life, really. You know, it's a yeah, sham yeah. marriage. Um, right. Quasimodo sees her, and he also loves her. And he gets involved with someone who's trying to carry her off. And um, he gets in trouble for it. So they want to they also hang Quasimodo, essentially. Um, mm. And there's, at one point, she gets captured as well, and there's torture. It's, it's a very, very rough book at times. But she never respects Quasimodo, even though he rescues her, and he gives her sanctuary in the cathedral at the end. And she never respects him. And he keeps saying, you know, you respect this captain. She fancies this, uh, you know, kind of captain, who's a bit of an ass to everyone. But... Yeah. He just likes be- the other beauty. And Quasimodo has right. this moment where he realizes, oh, it no, doesn't really matter what I do for her. I saved her life. I bring her her food and whatever. She, she's just going to like the pretty boy. And that's it. And oh, there's a well. touching, touching, this isn't really a spoiler, but it's a touching moment where she says to Quasimodo, go out and find the guy I like. And he goes out and he waits outside the house all day and all night into the dark. And eventually the guy comes out with another woman. And he tries oh, to say, no. and he pulls the guy's horse and he says, come, come, like a girl wants you. And the guy says, you yeah. think I have to go to every girl who wants me? You're pulling on my horse's, um, you know, strap as though you think it's the, the gallows, which is all you should be pulling on. And Quasimodo doesn't wow. want to tell this woman that the man has betrayed her. So he goes back and just says, I couldn't find him. And then she berates wow. him. Well, next time you stay out there all night in the cold and the dark until you find him. And he doesn't what? want to disappoint. So it's very cruel. This is the Balzacian, uh, kind of bits you know okay and i feel i feel bad for him you know and this this the reason that the priest is bad okay is because he also 
loves Esmeralda. Oh, so then on, he kills someone else, or he tries to kill what? the captain. Oh, the not too many spoilers. It sounds like a lot of spoilers now. Yeah, gotta... we're, it's, we're really only touching the halfway point. I'm, I'm not going to go any okay. further. But the priest okay. tries to kill the captain. That's not a very nice thing to do, no? But... No, it's not ideal, actually. It's not ideal. Esmeralda gets in trouble for it. She gets arrested. The, the priest denounces her for the murder that he thinks he committed to get her killed because he feels religious guilt for his like sexual frustrations. So he would rather kill the object of it. Right, so okay, okay. It's, you know, he tries to get her killed, essentially, and Quasimodo saves her, and then it's a whole big thing. But I'm not going to... But again, this just... doesn't sound like a book that I would necessarily read. It just sounds a bit, you know, depressing. It's a bit are depressing, but, you know, there's gypsy uprising and everything like this. But what the, the funny bit is when Quasimodo is on trial and he's deaf and the person doing the trial is also deaf. So right, the guy's okay. answering questions and Quasimodo doesn't understand them. So he answers what he thinks he's being asked, his name, oh, his Lord. age, his occupation. And the guy's asking yeah. totally different questions, but they don't know. So then the crowd are laughing. So the magistrate increases the punishment because he says, well, whatever you're doing, you're making the crowd laugh. And he doesn't know that the guy's deaf. So that's... <laughs> That's, that, that's almost uh, yeah that's the funny part because it's so dark yeah. <laughs> but that's the only right. real bit of but i have a philosophical question for you it, yeah. it's based on social contract theory right so we you can read yeah, hobbs yeah. and things like that the life of man solitary nasty british and short um quasimodo is totally rejected by society totally shunned they offer him nothing no protections they want to kill him from birth they shun him when he goes out in the street mm-hmm. they laugh at him they attack him is someone who is so shunned by society subject to social contract theory What's to stop him saying, I'm not a part of the society, I just go ahead and massacre everyone? You know, he's been yeah, utterly rejected, <laughs> you know? That's a good one. A good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, because they're not respecting the rules either, right? That's the, that's the thing. They, they yeah. don't respect the rules either. If they, they, if they, they have made way. him an other. Like, he's not part of the system, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but not there's, I'm not going to spoil anything else. The only thing I haven't mentioned at all is there's a small side story about this old gypsy lady who lost her daughter. And it's right. just funny because she's like in this house and she won't have the warmth. They won't, she won't eat. She doesn't want the fire. For years and years, she's like, no, I deserve nothing. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be hungry. They bring her a cake and she's like, no, just bring me some moldy oh bread. God. Turn the heating down. Like, you know, she's like, the gypsies took my daughter away. Um, yeah. And of course, her daughter disappeared like the same day that like Esmeralda appeared or something like this. And she never puts like two and two together like the whole the whole time, you know, throughout most of the book. And it's like the reader picks up on it like instantly. Like, yeah. oh, this is probably your daughter. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. But she That's hates Esmeralda. Just my daughter was taken away and this gypsy girl replaced her by some kind of magic. So she hates her. And it's like very right clear it. that it's her daughter. Uh, is a Disney film any kind of realistic for you know adaptation or not? Just oh, I, I, I haven't like seen it in twenty years. I, I don't remember. I haven't seen it. Right? I, haven't seen it <laughs> I can't remember. I'm just wondering. But usually, is it very liberal? Yeah, yeah. Adaptation. I think they they make them a little bit nicer, I suppose. But look, quick yeah. final quick final thoughts. There's boring bits. There's sad bits, and there's a couple of funny bits. But overall, I think it's a good book. I I would recommend it if you've ever been curious to read it. There's a few tedious mm. bits to get through, but overall, I think it's a fun book. It, it did take me two weeks to read, actually, because it's kind of mm. slow at times. It's not always mm-hmm. the most riveting. It's not a page turner. You know, you're not like, oh, mm. I need to read another chapter. You're kind of like, yeah, I'll put that off till tomorrow or the next day. 
<laughs> oh, okay. But you know, overall, it's not it's not too bad. Hmm. So right. what I'm just going to do real quick before we hear some books of PJs is a hey. quick little ad for our shows. The facts that will be presented are true. Yes, PJ. Hello there. Now, PJ, what have we learned about Shakespeare? It is a Hello. Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again. So I'm getting you those nicknames. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> well, that's where people will know you from. That's why you're going to know me from that one. But let's carry on. Anyway. Hello, there. Can you hear me? Join us for Shakespeare written, Spanish plays and poetry, rock star interviews, film reviews, Dark Place Dreamers, and more. Patreon.com slash is this a holiday? That's the salient point. Um, we'll also give That's us a very important one. Is this a holiday, guys? I'm still asking myself. Oh, oh, look who just came in. Hello there. Uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle Joe, how are you? I uh, sure not too bad. How are you saying? Look, I just came in to sing a song there. Hold on. Once I was a young boy, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books as the old man in County Cork And the girls did love me For I was a very bookish fellow And when you read a lot You will be a loving man They told me My mama told me I was a lovely boy Cause I read books Down the river, down to County Cork all day long and when I discovered Patreon I immediately booked for books boys Patreon only for $2.50 or €2.50 I'm not quite sure the price I was confused <laughs> did I get it wrong? Three, two, three, something something like that well, anyway, that's another song there for you with that. All right, thanks, Uncle John. Doing the show, do you mind? Just ah, sure. If you want any time and another song there, just say so, you know. Uh, thanks, Uncle Joe. Fine, sorry. Okay, sorry about that, lads. Just, you know, something you can't Uncle laugh John at. With his, with his quadruple back and tando. Uncle so, Joe, yeah. Anyway, sorry okay. about the church lads. Yeah. Or should I say, I'm Ali? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> what, have, what have you read? So the books I've read, I've been getting into, um, as I mentioned, I was reading a lot, um, Jerry Nestor Hicks, and I was reading deep into that just a few days ago, finished it. Um, so I've been reading that for the last two months. Highly recommend that. If you want to find out more, check out the check out Asking is Given, the first book I reviewed last episode. Highly recommend it. And I also read uh, three children's books. So that's it. Keeping very minimal this month. And the first first one I read is The Dog That Nino Didn't Have. It's a, it's a Dutch book. Just came out a few years ago, I think 2015. And um, yeah, what did I think of this? It's basically a book about a boy who wishes to have a dog. So he imagines a dog. And it's basically always about he's always playing with the imaginary dog. It's a big, big picture book. And he's always going around with a dog until one day a dog he gets a dog from his okay. parents and yeah they seem like oh it's the end of the story but 
it's all good, right? But the boy actually becomes sad because all of a sudden the dog he imagined, the, the dog that Nino didn't have, um, is gone. And really this imaginary dog was his best friend. And this other dog is, is a normal dog, but it's not doing all the things that he really imagined he was doing with the dog he didn't have. Right. So it's kind of a point and kind of story about, yeah, imagination. You know, sometimes you kind of, you get like the toy, you get a toy. And then all of a sudden it's not as good as what I imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. We're not good in my imagination all the games I had. And, but it's got a nice ending. I'll tell the endings for the children's book because, you know, I think... Not the PJ, the stuff. spoilers for the Ninos. <laughs> That's fine. For Ninos. Ni- parents, please cover the ears of the Ninos. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell it to the parents. It's got a nice ending, which is basically he starts, all of a sudden, other animals appear. And they're in black and white the animals, imagine. They're kind of fady, you know, they're kind of ghost-like. And all of a sudden he has a kind of a giraffe and an elephant and his dog is back, the dog that he didn't have. But he still has the dog that he that he actually has in his real life, in his non-imaginative life. And all of a sudden he realizes, well, the whole house can be filled up with all the animals I wanted to, and I could still keep, and I can still be friends with the dog that I have. And that's kind of the end of, of the book. It's just you can kind of combine the imagination with your Books real life. Note the hypocrisy in the spoiler policy. Just note. <laughs> well, look, I told the kids to cover up their ears, right? So I think I'm, I'm going to need to get this spoiler policy in writing uh, laminated because I. Well, I'm yeah, I'm always going about it. <laughs> anyway, Beautiful <laughs> Illustrated, and it's written by Edward Edward van de van de Vendel. I hope again the the Dutch accent, right? It's not my strong strong language. Um, and it's called, as I said, the dog that Nino didn't have, or uh, Nederlands had huntje dat Nino niet had. I think that was a very bad pronunciation, so please uh, forgive me. And auf Deutsch der Hund den Nino nicht hatte. Anyway, that's my first book. Recommended. Won some prizes as well, so it's a nice little back to the Dutch literature. We didn't talk about that for a while. And talking about Dutch literature, let's move on to the, new, the, the other two kids' books written by another Dutch man, Hans de Beer. Now, Hans de Beer is an interesting chap, young Dean. I'm telling you why. Mm. He's a uh, he's a Netherlander, uh, so he's a Dutch lad. Uh, he illustrates both and writes his children's books, but he writes in German. So he lives in he used to live in Switzerland, and he started a series of German language books uh, called Kleine Eisbär, the little the little ice the little polar bear. Okay. And I think these books in particular you would enjoy. They're a series of books. Basically, it's kind of like. It's kind of the same series of stories. It's kind of the uh, the polar bear for some reason kind of loses its way and doesn't is not in the North Pole anymore. Be somewhere completely different. Uh, but he makes his way back with the help of other animals and other friends he makes. So it's that kind of series of books. Very simple. I have to say though, even though stories are really simplistic, I don't mean it in a bad way. It sounds negative, but I mean it mm. very simple. I meant to say they're that's really, not always really simple. Bad. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, also they're really simplistic in a formula though. But it's. I think the high point here is the his his work as an illustrator. I think that's really strong because they're huge picture books, really beautifully illustrated, minimal text as well. And it's always about. It always starts off kind of North Pole, but it's always showing you other places in the world. And I really like the first one because Hans de Beer he moved eventually to the Canary Islands. Get back to that in a second. And really the first book. Uh, Kleine Eisbär von Fiesto, or in English, just um, 
where you're going to Lars. So little polar bear, where you're going to Lars. Um, is really uh, he ends up in the Canary Islands is my theory from the illustrations there are hippopot there's an hippopotamus in the island that doesn't exist in Canary Islands but I, I recognize the mountain scenery I think he it's it's copied after Tenerife the islands beside the one I grew up in so I really recommend that Wohin Fester where are you going to and then the next one is a little polar bear kind of ice bear uh, come back soon and that one is same formula. So he he always he kind of in the first book he's he's um yeah it's kind of a bit yeah poignant um the part of the ice where he sleeps on you know melts away and he drifts off because of global warming yeah and then he just drifts off and he ends up in a tropical island where a hippopotamus helps him helps him and um, find his way home and the second book. He ends up he ends up being caught by big nets full of thousands of other fish. There's always an environmental theme to the books, which I like as well. Just uh, not not too heavy, not too heavy. Just yeah. for the kids, just like you know. It's a good theme boring. actually. It's it's good to get the kids uh, interested. Yeah, in yeah. These books are written for I think maybe yeah any 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 age up to ten or so. So so the first was global warming, but the second is just overfishing and consumption because it's just. It's like it's it's quite disgusting because the whole page is a thousand fish and he's he's a very tiny polar bear, so it's very obvious. Um it's overfishing. And then he ends up in Hamburg. I think this is Hamburg, it's never clear where it is. Mm-hmm. Um in Germany. And a cat helps him, a few cats, uh, a few cats help him find his way back. But he's always there's a set there's a third theme, which is just um so the first one's global warming, overfishing, but then when he's in the city, it's just dirty. So it's just like people are not taking care of the cities, uh, just pollution in general. It's trying to avoid his fur really dirty. It's, just, it's always a very mild, subtle theme of uh, some global issues, uh, which I like. But it's really, really just very slow, very, very uh, subtle. And it's mainly just story about him disappearing, meeting animals and finding his way back. It was beautiful pictures. So I do recommend them, even though they might repeat. Uh, mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Okay. I'd love to read more, but those are the two I read. Um, highly recommend it. So, get it. Hans the Bear, great name, by the way, for someone who writes about a bear. I'm not, I think that is his real name, too. And I recommend these Dutch authors. So it's been a very Dutch month. So, Nederlands. So, Geelgoed, yes. um, uh, I just want to say. We Heel should Heel mention, you're actually, you're actually back in Grand Canaria yourself now. Um, I think that every month um, you've moved around. Every episode you're in a in a different place, but you're back in Gran Canaria. Uh, and I was also in Spain myself this month. I went with with Darkless Robert and, and Playboy Alex, and we traveled to uh, sort of I guess southeast Spain. We visited Malaga, Marbella. We went to Gibraltar also, and even over to Morocco uh, on the ferry. So I've been I've been busy with my dancing in the early parts of the month, and I've been busy with my. Um, holidaying and in the later parts of the of the month but it's been a fun month uh i just moved back to gran canaria and moved to the, to the north to las palmas so living in the south before was elisa so i'm delighted to be here i've done a lot of surfing and i found a really beautiful home really near the old town triana and i've got a lot i got i just got two nice books from the second hand uh stores so i'm looking forward to some more interesting reading here they are they Good. So uh, I can tell the listeners, I'm not sure if I read them straight away, but I did. They really call out to me. And Mikko and the book, remember? Momo, read it like that book. Yeah. 
And uh, what I'm looking for particularly is some more Canarian literature. So that okay. there could be some of that coming up now. Good. I would like reading regional literature where I am. So this is a uh, a play by a guy from La Palma. So I've never heard of it, but I'd love nice. to check it out. And the secondhand bookshop is it a is it an independent store or is it part of the? Because I know in Spain there's a big chain called Reread that I really love. Is it a Reread? Excuse me, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know rereads. No, oh, but wow. that's very surprising. That doesn't exist in the um, There are there are two really lovely bookshops. This one was actually found more in an in, in like a utensil secondhand shop where okay. I also funny enough found this quattro, which I've been playing all day to you guys. Mm-hmm. A Venezuel- Venezuelan instrument. So I've been playing that to you kids. But no, but I'm just delighted. There's a lot of goods. Um, there are two really good bookshops. Bookshops I love for show. I'd like to show you one day. Plus, you got Benito Perez Gardos Museum, his house where he grew up, the legendary Mar- uh, Marianello author. And yeah, so um, there'll be more Canary literature coming up in a few Good. Awesome. Well, I'm going to move on to the, the next book that I read. You may remember last month we chatted to a lovely gentleman, Jay Reader Archuleta, mm. and he was very kind very uh, to send us uh, two more books. And I, I wow, did one of them nice. uh, this month. I actually just read it yesterday. Um, so the right. last one that we read was short stories. And the mm. next one we're going to do next time is a novel, as far as I can tell. This wow. is something in between. So this oh, okay. is ostensibly short stories, but the stories are all oh. different chapters in the life of the same person. Josh. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially a novella in like different snippets, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like it. And it's only 100 pages. You know, I did read it in a day. Um, mm. But it's, you know, it's good. We start, and they're all set in in, in Texas, right? And this guy, yeah. Josh, you know, you don't realize at the beginning that it, they're going to be connected. So this first story is about Josh and his, yeah. presumably his mom, Belle. And essentially they get in the car and she says, take your things and go. And I don't know if it's his dad or if it's her boyfriend or who it is, but they go away and never come back. And they, they ditch the, the man. And I oh. thought, okay, that's a, a one and done story. But then I noticed the character in the next one is, also called Josh. So I realized, okay, we're actually doing uh, these different little scenes. The name of the book is the El Paso Red Flame Gas Station, by the way, um, for anyone that's interested. Nice title. It's nice a nice title. title, yeah. So that's the first story. I'm not going to go through like all the stories, but I'm just going to give a couple of highlights. They, they move to this town and he has, um, it is one of the stories where they get involved it is a bar fight. So he's not always the main character in all the stories. You know, there's one where there's a bar right, fight yeah, yeah. and the guy goes home and kills his wife and they don't even, Josh isn't really part of it. He just happens to kind of be, see it in some of the conversation in the bar. He's a recurring know. character. In, in yeah, the, in some the of them he's the main yeah. character, but not all yeah, of them, yeah. you know. Cool. Um, but they do, there's some interesting things where they talk about, well, of course, you know, his wife was sleeping with half of us. So like, you know, he was going to kill her and they talk about beauty, but they, they try to kind of philosophize it almost like it was her fault for the beauty and, th- and things like that. But you, you dirty, never get, dirty this, yeah, you never get to see too much into it because they're 15 pages. Then you're on to like a, a year later or something, you know? So you don't, mm. um, you don't always get a lot of backstory on some of the individual characters. Mm. Um, but as we get towards the end, we do see more characters recurring. And there's there's some that I like. So there's a girl, Missy, that is, I guess, his kind of girlfriend. Um, 
but she's not very yeah. supportive but there's a nice little mexican girl um who's much much more supportive and he has a friend who says to him you should stay with this girl you know she's in love with you she's very good to you and you know she goes to watch you he does a football match and he breaks his nose but he's the kind of hero of the game uh, american football you know not not real football um and all, all this kind of stuff um but it's just it's it's tough because there's times where he's working in the gas station in the title maybe he's sleeping on like a mattress in a in the back of someone's flat with no no bedding and very little food because it, these are stories of poverty you know, and, and kind of struggling to get by. Yeah, Maybe you've got a bad start in life. You're an honest, hardworking person, but all you you know, all you can do is like pick up a laboring job here and there. Someone wants you to build a fence for a week, so you make a bit of money this week. You know, it's not. Um, these are not. Yeah. These are not uh, stories of. Um, you know, this is not Vanity Fair. Okay, these are kind of yeah, people yeah. that are just trying to kind of get by in in a, a bit more of a rural, but sort of this Texan lifestyle and it's uh, guess, the sad parts in it as well you know again the uh, heritage of, of naturalism you know instead of romanticism or even realism yeah he mentioned that that he really focused on the people that he knew guys remember if you want to check out the interview it's just in last month's episode and yeah it's um i thought it was interesting yeah it's a good um there's a kind of a, an Amer- I'm not I'm not an expert in American literature, but correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, it's I, it seems to be a trend with you know the Steinbeck and uh, Tennessee Williams, and and these authors appearing in like the, the 30s onwards. I feel mm. Great Depression onwards, where they kind of not, not uh, sorry the uh, 29 cri- um, monetary crisis and all that kind of seems to be a trend. Americans to talk about that struggling American, not not just the oh perfect American, but struggling yeah. American trying to achieve this. I'm I'm not usually a, a fan of the American literature that much, hmm. so I, I I must say I don't know too much about the stereotypes and the the trends hmm. in it, you know. But I really enjoyed this book, and that's the second of his hmm. books that I've really enjoyed. So, um, Mr. Rochelet is a hmm. very good author. And, and of course, to add one extra little thing, there's a detail that at one point the mother just disappears and, you know, she says she's going out and never comes back and leaves him on his own. That's an extra little bit of sadness. Wow. But, uh, wow. Most of this, I like the... most of it, he's in high school. Okay. But it's a very, very good, very, very good book. Yeah, that sounds, I would rather read that than, than Hunchback for Notre Dame, just from the, just from what you're telling me. Because Hunchback Notre Dame just seemed unnecessary cruel, whereas finds. I was fine. This book sounds more like okay. There's a real life happening, and he's observing it. This Josh character, yeah, I like the, I like the sound. Of that. Yeah, I I would say that's fair. Hunchback. There was unnecessary cruelty. I think that this was certainly better by by a degree. Yeah, just explaining it. Oh, mm-hmm. Interesting. So next, I read a real Spanish classic. We're talking, I think, oh. for, 1499. I believe it was released. Um, is it, let me guess, Lope Vega? No, oh, no it okay. is La Celestina by Fernando de Rojas. All right, yeah, sorry, Lope Vega, I think, is later, yes. I actually never heard of the, the author. I didn't, I didn't recognize the author's name, but of course I recognize the book title. Like, I've, I've heard of well, La Celestina. La Celestina, right, yeah. Well, it's yeah. famous, he's just famous for that, I think. I don't That's think I've okay. any of the other books, yeah. Um, Usually, um, I'm afraid to say, a really unpopular book for students who have to, they often have to read that book. And uh, I haven't actually read it. I don't oh, you haven't, about, right. No, no, nothing about this, Ben. So uh, tell me well, what do I you think. I can give you my thoughts in three seconds. I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. A lot of students say that. But I mean, it's supposed to be a classic. So what, what's the reason why it's, why it's a classic? Um, it's, 
again, I tried, maybe it, it was it was interrupting my holiday and I wasn't taken to it very well, trying to, to read it. <laughs> and it's only 300 pages. You're trying to read really old Spanish, just 1499. I, I know, it is old Spanish, you know, and it's just, it's slow. There's bits where nothing seems to be happening for pages and pages at a time. I, I, it, I, the writing style I didn't find particularly engaging. You know, I just I would read it and I'd be like, "What am I even reading? I'm not paying attention. Like I'm distracted. I'm not even focusing because it's boring." You know, and in the end, I really felt that I had done the book a disservice. And I, I went and I read some reviews that, of course, said it's the greatest piece of Spanish literature ever, and it. It, it opened the transition from medieval to, to renaissance literature in Spain in 1500, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's the it's the Spanish Romeo and Juliet. Cool. If you read like a one paragraph summary of the book, you're like, oh my God, all these things are happening. But yeah, that mm. one paragraph happened over 300 pages with just like filler and nothing in between. And that's the problem. Oh, so it's it's a prototype of the Anna Carrera methods. Yeah. Maybe it's time for the Las <laughs> Estina. Essentially, and also, it's interestingly, it's written as a play. Um, so it's a right. so it might, yeah, it's like a three hundred page play. So it's it's quite tough to get through as well. It's pure dialogue with no narration. I always complain about narration in the Latin American novels, but right, this is dude, a little bit the other know. side, you know. Right. Okay. 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 It's, you like a little bit of balance, don't you? I I like some kind of balance. Yeah, I like just a normal novel, you know, but. Right, okay. A couple of interesting things. There's a chap, Callisto, who's in love with Malibea. And there's a funny line where he says something about, like, well, that's very Christian. And she's a girl, so, someone says to him, uh, Sempronio says, are you not Christian? And he says, well, I'm Melibean because I love Melibea. And that's all my thoughts and dreams and everything is about Melibea. So that's, he's like, he's declaring right, her yeah, as yeah. his religion. Like, that's all he cares about, you know? Uh, and there's another okay. funny moment. There's you like chap, that, obviously, that aspect. I like that, yeah. There's a chap called Centurio, right? And someone says to him, why are you Centurio? And he says, well, my dad was also a centurio. I'm named after him. And they say, well, was your, was your dad a, a commander of 100 men? And he says, uh, no, but he was the pimp of 100 prostitutes. And... <laughs> right, so it does seem to be quite uh, liberal, I suppose, on the content. Well, oh, yeah. That, so look at the, the main characters here. Centur- I mean, centurio is not a main character, but he is a kind of pimp. And there's multiple prostitutes in this novel. And, you know, Celestina is a, well, my version of scripture is a bod. Essentially, she's a brothel keeper. Right. Well, that, sound, that sounds good. I mean, that sounds like a good novel right there. It sounds like a good story. I think the framework is good. And maybe I read it at the, you know, at the wrong time or it was the old Spanish or I was trying to enjoy my holiday. You know, I, I wasn't focusing on it. I was too busy probably talking to Alex about Shakespeare I don't, and Robert about Ferengi. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I didn't like it that much, but... Well, it's nice that you, it's a little, a little side uh, thing, but uh, it's nice that you went on holiday with Alex and uh, and Robert, that's nice. It was, it I was mean, nice to do a trip. I travel a lot by myself, so it was actually very refreshing to travel with um, with friends, you know. Nice, yeah, cool. So, yeah. and not a book that you highly recommend then, okay. I'm not going to highly recommend, recommend it. Really recommend. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. I'll give you the quick um, quick summary of what actually happens in it. So this guy, Callisto, is in love with Melibea, and he goes to Celestina, who's the kind of um, brothel keeper or, or whatever, and he asks her to help. 
And I think the idea is that she's going to get him some kind of like potion or she's going to persuade Melibea, whatever it is. She's the the seductress on his behalf yeah. kind of thing. And she's going to go and she's going to, um, she's going to help him. But then it, the reason it becomes a bit of a Shakespearean tragedy is because it's just full of like these characters doing these grand monologues and then they're all betraying each other and like the two servants, um, Sempronio and I don't recall the name of the other one, um, Par- Parmeno, I think it is. The two of them, you know, one of them gets on board with um, Celestina, then the other one's against her, then he gets on board and they're going to betray Callisto. And then again, no spoilers, okay? But mm-hmm. uh, it has the Romeo and Juliet tragedy. It is just people dying left, right and center by the end of the novel. I'm okay. not going to say who or how or why, but it, it does get very, very tragic in an almost extreme. Like you're starting to wonder, is anyone actually going to be alive, you know, at the end of this, jumping off towers and falling in swords. But no, it's it's good um, in parts. But honestly, I I just can't recommend it. The writing style is just mm. not engaging. And I've read other old books. Like I read Cervantes. It was tough to get through, but at least there was some engagement. La Renta, not so much. This is more like that, you know? Right, okay, yeah. Mm. So I didn't love it, but if you're someone who's working your way through the Spanish classics, maybe it is just me doing that, um, (laughs) then, you know, yeah, there's a couple of funny little bits in it. And, you know, I I love the romance, right? I always love the extreme passion. That's my my thing. So sure. But uh, maybe modern translation or something. Yeah, I want to get through some Canary literature. So there'll be plenty of uh, Hispanic uh, literature talks going on. So it sounds like a very uh, año español, you know, next year. So if you're into Spanish literature, that's probably... If you're into ancient Greek and Spanish, well, you'll be, you'll be in for some delightful treats next year. That's it. Tune in. Tune in your radio or just your internet um, broadcast. your radio, yeah. yeah. Just, guys, touch your, turn your radio dial, turn it up to 10... Pull up the antenna, um, nice and nice and tall, nice and wide. Get the best signal. Have all the family gathered round, um, yeah, switch from exactly. FM to AM uh, frequency, and uh, yeah. you'll you'll be able to hear um, all the things that you want right there. And snuggle up beside a fireplace or in front of a fireplace. Make sure it's not in the fireplace. It is a true. crucial grammatical difference according to Shakespeare. That's but true. beside or in front, at I suppose will also be okay. Not in. <laughs> The next book that I, I read, PJ, is by a certain Elma Lynn's Canfield, and it's oh. called, you might be interested in the title of this one and this lovely cover, yeah. Hamlet's Mirror. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, look, well, I love the title and the cover. This is a, cool. an amazing lady who works in psychotherapy, okay? Um, okay. And these kind of counselling sessions and she's now chronicled some of this in her book but very specifically and the reason for the title she only works with performers dancers actors singers um and it's more about the specific challenges and problems facing those type of people which are maybe different than the things that your average person is dealing with right and she worked for you know three to four decades in that field and then kind of produced this book and it, again it's a short book you can read it in a couple of days wow. i think it's 200 pages something like that but the idea i suppose you're not supposed to breeze through it you're meant to kind of go through it more slowly it has some little reflections that you can fill in to, so, to think about yourself you know so it's a hamlet's mirror 
is a guide for the struggling performer for what exactly? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, it's to, kind of to reach your performance potential on stage and off. So okay, it's, it's about becoming, I suppose, you know, most self-help type books are all with the same, same goal of, you know, happiness and becoming the best version of yourself, right? And I suppose I would suggest that this is no different. It just has this unique slant of um, coming right at people of a particular kind from someone who has a lot of experience specifically with those kind of people, that being the performers, you know, so the expertise is there. But the book's full of little reflections. Here's an example. How preoccupied are you with your body image? How much does that impact on your performance potential on a scale of one to eight? And you go through these little um, ideas. And there's also various tableau where we we look at some of her her patients. Now, I, I don't know if she's got the permission or if she's used fake names, whatever it is, but there's examples given of you know cases that she's dealt with and we get to see little snippets into the the real lives of people and the struggles to to get through because you know we get it you you're really getting depressed because you're not getting the role you want or you get the role and you get into the role too much and you lose yourself in the role and it affects your interpersonal relationships in real life or you're singing Mm. and you're you know you're too much strain on your on your voice and you start to doubt your abilities and all this kind of stuff you know and you also mentioned she's a psychoanalyst, so is she is she dwelling into Freud and Jung or No, there's not there's not really that in the in the book at least. It's it's more I mean it is specifically just designed to help these particular um categories of, of people, you know. Okay, but um, still with a psychoanalytical kind of uh, upbringing, I suppose, right? And yeah, backgrounds. I guess it's nice to see someone's expertise um come in. Hmm. Oh, hold on. PJ, we've got a, a phone call uh, coming in here. Let's two seconds. Okay. Is it going to be? Hello, you're through the books, boys. You've got Dean and PJ on the line. Who's calling? Oh. Who's this? Yes, I'm Elma Lynn's Canefield, and I'm a oh. psychotherapist and a life coach, and I work exclusively with performing artists. So, if the secret caller is a performing artist, I'd love to speak with you. I just uh, published a book uh, called Hamlet's Mirror, Reaching Your Performance Potential, based on the belief that Hamlet mused it is our artists, after all, who hold the mirror up to life, reflecting mm. everybody. Wow. Hey. wow. Well, interestingly, by, by great coincidence, we, we were just talking about the book and I've, I've got my lovely right. copy right here. So the timing, perfect timing strikes again. Tell me more about the title then. So was Hamlet's yeah. Mirror always going to be the title or was that like a last minute thing? It was. I love the title. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it wasn't a last minute thing, but once upon a time, the title was The Diva Syndrome. Mm. which is in the book. And Mm. um, the diva syndrome is what prevents artists or anybody from reaching our performance potential. But it was such a downer. Mm. I used to go on ships and lecture about um, the diva syndrome and halfway through my lecture and what I said, I heard People were snoring. It was so depressing. Oh. So um, <laughs> I reevaluated because it's. I thought it was a great title. Um, uh-huh. I reevaluated and 
uh, put it in the book in its appropriate place. Yeah, and it is it is still in the book. And I think it is interesting because it's an important thing to think about, right? It, the diva syndrome is something that will affect performers. And I suppose there's a reason why you wanted that as the title originally, uh, dealing exclusively with performers. Why, why is that, by the way? You know, so obviously you've got your training. You could deal with anyone, I suppose. What made you really want to focus on you know, actors and um, vocal artists and and musicians and things. What was the real inspiration to work with those types of people? Uh, Me. Um, I wanted to be a performer once upon a time. Right. And uh, I had an experience where I was about to sing and everything seemed in its place and I was ready and I opened my mouth and nothing would come out mm-hmm. and I went to doctors and boards with fine and right. nobody could help me nobody really understood the psychology of the performing artist and uh I left the profession, but I went back to school. And of course, there were no courses in that, but I studied and figured out. And in St. Louis, I had a pop, some of my population, treatment population were artists. And I decided I'm going back to New York and open a uh, practice exclusive to performers. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, you know, I'd have a lot of competition, but nobody, nobody, this was in the 80s, had had this kind of practice. So I I don't know if it was timing or what it was. And then I had the opportunity to start... um, the counseling services at the Juilliard School. Um, they had they had never had a counseling services, so right. very busy. <laughs> wow! Okay. But you so, find something, you know, you find something uh, that, that other people weren't doing, and you find people that didn't help yeah. that weren't weren't getting help. So that's great. Yeah, it was. Um, it it. It's been just a really, really rewarding career. Um, mm, great. Well, when we go through the book, we, we get to see a little bit about the, the unique struggles that, that performers face. You know, there's this I am what I do idea that actors have, that they almost get drawn too much into the roles. And we see that that um, some examples given of that affecting their their relationships in real life, you know. Uh, and then there's the dancers, you know, dance through the pain, push your body to the limits um, kind of thing. And yeah, I, I suppose that I never realized it before, but performers do actually have a unique set of problems. Uh, and so I suppose it's really good to have something that they can they can that can help them. And we should say, you know, with this book, it is designed to help them. There's various reflections you can fill in as you go through it and examples that you can maybe relate to. 
And I suppose the idea is that by reading this, it will help you to, to reach your potential as well. Um, have you heard some, you know, have people told you that it's helped them? Um, they have. Um, I've gotten uh, okay. responses that have been very touching. Um, it, one of the responses that really surprised me was I told them about me mm. and what had happened to me and how I found, quote, my performance potential in my work. And yeah. I, I do that in various ways. And that seemed to allow uh, readers to trust the information in the book as much as my clinical credentials. And that really surprised me. Because they, pro because they could relate to you as a, as a person, as a, as a co-performer, right? I think I, that gave it the, yes. I guess so. But yeah. I was so young. Mm. I, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think relatability really helps you know experience expertise you know you've you've, you've got your um knowledge that's one thing but having that relatability is what the ordinary person is actually gonna find more attractive almost to, to open up i think mm -hmm. so it's great that you have that as well you know yeah. mm -hmm. so the little reflections, those are those are interesting. I, I like going through and thinking, you know, for here is an example of one. How often do you betray yourself for adoration and promotion? Um, well, I can be a little bit vain, so I think that I'm, I'm maybe quite high on, on that one, you know. But it was interesting to go through them. And, you know, I, I'm not much of a performer. I do a little bit of dancing and a little bit of art, but I, I don't really perform. I make music. I don't perform it live. But it's interesting to even see a few little things that were helping me as I read through the book. And I thought, you know, okay, yeah, I, I do this one or, you know, I'm not comfortable expressing myself in this particular way or, or whatever it is. And I, you know, even as I, I wouldn't consider myself a performer, but I still took a few things away from it, I think, which is good. So I do think that, you know, anyone could read it and still benefit from it, you know? I hope so. Because it, it, it really took me 30 years to write this book. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of it is research. And I just learned so much about myself. Yeah. Um, and the reflections, um, uh, hopefully, um, really uh, illuminate the concepts and that are being talked about. Um, it's, I don't see it as a book that you can sit down and read right through because it's so introspective and subjective. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but yeah. people have said, boy, I sat down and I read it right through. <laughs> I mean, well, I did for the purposes of review, you know, I have to obviously read all the, a lot of books per month. So I did read it right through, but I felt, I felt instinctively that that wasn't the best way to do it. 
Yes. You know, and I, I felt you're better maybe taking a little bit at a time, a couple of the reflections and, and thinking about it and, and taking it away. And if you're someone that is a performer and that wants to get help from the book, I would recommend going through it a little bit more slowly and, and, and yeah. meditating on it more, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So tell us a little bit about the performer personality profiles. So you list four. There's this triangle, this kind of drama triangle of, of problems and um, we've got the problem-ridden performer, the pugnacious performer, the promising performer. And those are three, you know, areas where you're getting somewhere, but you're, you're having some problems. And then we have the potential realized performer. And I suppose that's the one that we're, we want to be, right? That's where we've dealt with our issues and our potential is being realized and we're on the right track. Um, do you want to open up a little bit about those or how you kind of came up with this and, and put those together? Well, those uh, really um, became apparent over the 30 years. The first two, um, the problem-ridden and the pugnacious, uh, are founded on really bad energy. Mm. Uh mm. Performer, not performer. Have you ever been around anybody who you've just? Of course, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, you back. You yeah. backed up. Yeah. Okay, that's those two categories, and the problem-ridden performer is just full of fear, and will avoid <sighs> and flee anything. Um, the pugnacious performer, and this I found really interesting, will be very successful for a while. Right. Oh. Yeah, okay. motivated, driving, because he or she will step on anybody. Mm. Ah, yes. But eventually, same result. It doesn't oh. last, yeah. Because the energy is so toxic. Yeah, you can't you can't fight all the time either. You can't be yes. like stepping the whole time. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. And the, I guess, predominant feelings of that person is anger. Mm. Ah, right. Interesting. Yeah. And that's the that's not the right feeling for long term success, I suppose. No. Well, that's not what people want to see the whole time, right? They, 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 they would flee as well when watching anger. Yeah. I mean, how many people do you know like that? Well, I don't spend, I don't spend enough time with them. That's the thing, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing yeah. we don't want to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, the promising performer shifts that energy, and I call it harmonic energy. And... But they're fairly successful people. I mean, you see them in orchestras, corps de ballets, um, reoccurring parts on television, in mm -hmm. film. Mm. You can identify them pretty easily. The challenges for the, it sounds funny, for the... Um, promising performer is that they're too giving in two ways. They rationalize a whole lot and settle. 
tolerate. Uh, they don't really look after their own needs. Feel, fearing, um, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want people not to like me. And they're very altruistic. Mm-hmm. Which sounds, oh, how lovely, you know, such a nice fellow, such a nice person. Um, however, this altruism is office, often in the service of being needed mm-hmm. and loved. And when the need stops, they get very, very hurt. Oh, you know, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And they forfeited their careers often. You know, oh, you you take this spotlight or you, uh, there's a balance. So when you do things really for yourself, it, and it looks like for other people, it'll really hold you back. The thing to do is be real. You know, live your life in the moment, almost as an ad lib, and be real. There's value in authenticity, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you all have to do it or you wouldn't have such a successful podcast. Well, that's true. And we just come on and we just be ourselves, you know, and, and, and yeah, exactly. I think that that's, uh, that's the way to go. <laughs> and that's- I, I think it's often, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, I think it's often the embarrassment of some uh, people that they don't want to, oh, I don't want to, I, I need to be perfect and I don't want to fail and, I, and it's embarrassing about the way I am. So I, I, I'm, I'm in every podcast episode. I am I am ridiculous in some part at least, maybe the whole part. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> care anymore. I used to care though when I was also 18, 19, and when I dare to say that, yeah. you just you just gotta be yourself. Yeah. You just have to be yourself and stay yeah. in the moment. And when you think of oh, I need this outcome, I need this result. It, you're so far ahead of yourself that you kind of lose yourself. Mm. And that's, uh, that's trouble. Well, mm. um, one, one last question. Is there going to be another book or is this, you've put everything into this and this is all you wanted to write? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how it started. <laughs> see, it always starts like that. And then you get the bug and you want to write something else. <laughs> I have learned so much since the book's been published which is it's amazing so my answer to your question is i don't know okay okay that's a good answer and the last question we ask everyone but before i before i ask it to you i'm gonna just ask you something else would you like to give us a plug tell people where they can get the book or or how to find your website or or something like that um, well, you can get the book on Amazon and, uh, I'm such a new author. I'm really bad. <laughs> Everything's uh, on Amazon <laughs> anyway, so at least you can get yeah, it exactly. there. Um, and you can get it at my web, 
uh, you can look it up on my website, which is Elma Lins, L-I-N-Z, Canefield, uh, com. Cool. And we'll put a link to that anyway in the, in the show notes. Elma, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, have a great rest of your yeah, day. Thanks. But the final question we ask every author, this gives me a little idea about what you like to read as well as write. If there's one existing book that you wish you had been the person to write, what would it be? Right now, it's, um, oh God, I just reread it. Um, The story of the, oh, what's it called? The story of the woman, it's a novel. The story of the woman who lives in the swamp. What book am I thinking of? I just read the swamp. Um, And she, Intriguing plot. She was accused of murder. Ooh. And uh, oh, readers, listeners, help me. <laughs> um, uh, the the, uh, and she had a boyfriend who was the only person who ever really, her parents left her and she <laughs> lived in this lone house. Oh, I can't think of it oh. off the top of my head. But if anyone knows, you, uh, let us know. Booksboys at hotmail.com so or got, on Instagram. Come on. So for the first time, you've given the show a riddle <laughs> to solve before the New Year. So if you solve before the New Year's, there'll be special treats, everyone. The, the so what's this? Set in a swamp. The name. It, it was made into a movie, which wasn't as good as the book. So you I read the book. Um, well, this. Don't worry about it. It's a, it's a riddle. We've got a riddle. It's really good. <laughs> We've well, reread it. So can, it any, must be. can anyone's can anyone's open? No. It's this so story is it's set in a swamp. That I'd love it to be made into an opera. Oh yeah! That'd be oh cool. wow, that's interesting. Okay, they have that feeling. If I well. could oh. of the name of it, <laughs> <laughs> Elma. Okay. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, we loved the book. Yeah. And thanks for your time. Thanks for, the and thanks for calling in. Oh, well, yeah. So interesting and very interesting theory as well. So I kind of feel it can also work, even though you wrote us for performers, for also non performers, so a bit about them, because everyone performs, has to perform bits, teachers, policemen, you know. So I, so I feel you've done a good thing. Thanks so much for calling. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah. very happy new year. Yeah, happy, happy year to yourself. To, to you too. Yeah. So lovely and unexpected, of course, to have to have Elma call in. And if you think the books have any interest to you, if you think that you're a performer and you want to maximize your potential, go check it out. That's uh, very that's very surprising. Again, like uh, these coincidental calls, I, I I just don't know how that happens. Yeah. Next, we have. On a roll. Shakespeare calling in from the world beyond. Talking we we almost had Zafon's ghost. So exactly, yes. I, I I thought yes, indeed. I I read one more book. Um, this one is from the sixties. I, I immediately see that's a Spanish book just by the back cover there. That's a very distinguishable German, very distinguishable, not German, very distinguishable white cover for Spanish. Yeah, paperbacks. yeah, it is. What, this what is from it? the 60s, but it's not a modern novel because it's uh-huh. um, Gonzalo Torrente Ballester, Don Juan. Oh, nice. 
Don Juan. Okay, so it's an old. So hold on a second. I've heard of Bayesa before, but you got to remind me. Don Juan is an old story. Yes. So I didn't know the author, but and I he's modernized Don Juan. Don Juan. Um, there's look. It's been covered by Moliere. It's been covered in poems. Yes. I think Byron. I think it. it you know, there's. It, it's an old. Um, there's older, older books. This is a modern. It's been covered. Retelling. It's been covered. It's been covered in Spanish literature, particularly a lot. Yeah. But do you want to tell the the new kids from who do, who were just born, maybe like what? Yeah, it's all yeah. About? Well, this one I don't actually. I don't think this particular book is actually in English, um, and that happens sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's happening a lot. It was it was the German books as well, isn't it? But I'm look, this yeah. one, it's. I'm gonna go again. I liked it, but I didn't yeah. love it. So I think I had this idea like Don Juan and I think the Italian version is Don Giovanni, is it? It's this idea of like the ultimate womanizer, right? And, you know, even uh, Buddy Holly has a song called Modern Don Juan, right? It's in the, it's in the play. And it's the ultimate womanizer. And unfortunately this book, it messes me around with the timeline. So it's set in the sixties in Paris with a modern person called Don Juan who isn't the original Don Juan, but then there's like flashback scenes where we see the story of the original Don Juan. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's, it's more like Superman versus Spider-Man, the origin story or something. It's like, how do we, we get the origin? How do we get the name? And I, I'm never a big fan of that and jumping back and forward. So that's the bit I didn't like, the storytelling device, the, 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 the structure. But it sounds like Harbo Wonderland and the end of the world, Murakami, you know, like two stories... Is it like chapter one? Well, that was well done, though, actually. This one, I find it hard to kind of know which Don Juan we were talking about and, and what was going on. Um, Very but, surprising. Okay. And we, see, yeah, then like... we see the various girls that he's attached to, but it's uh, it's interesting, right? Because this Don Juan is old and impotent. Oh, okay. So this Don Juan cannot make love to the ladies. Okay. That's an interesting and we hear book. a lot about it through his servant or his, uh, you know, his uh, assistant or whatever. Um, yeah. He's, you know, talking to the narrator and talking to other people about his master, Don Juan. Uh, Don Juan is not interested in sex. Don Juan is interested in the art of seduction and the conquest. It's about knowing that you've won the person's heart, even though you're not going to physically make love to them afterwards. Right, okay. I feel a bit sorry for Mr. Don Juan there, but okay. So, a misguided fellow. It, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting take on things, you know, and it's an interesting way to do yeah. it, I suppose. Um, well, I do like taking all the themes and old, you know, myths and stories and then modernizing it personally, but, um, or yeah. changing it. Not, not modernizing, just, just giving it your own twist. And, you know, I think that's fine. And I did enjoy it. I just didn't, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I wanted yeah, to say you thought it was gonna be Don Juan, you know, and, and I, I didn't get that. Um, but we do see some girls in love with him. And I think one girl shoots him in the end, you know, and we, we even have a bit where one girl gives her his blood for a, for a transfusion because they just want to save him because they, they love him so much, you know. Um, but there's a really interesting bit. One of the girls, they actually, she's so in love with him. And they said, but what if you never see him again? Because he's traveling around, he's talking to different girls. And she says, I don't need to see him again. I just need to be in love with him for me. Right. He he so deeply affects them with his wooing that it it is pure happiness for them just to love him, even if they never see him again. 
All right, okay. Yeah. So it's sounding very right, obviously. It's obviously written by a man. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 was he himself an, an elder? Well, an, a man of a few years. Was he? I mean, this sounds like this was a man no, who was maybe. I believe he was younger than us when he wrote this book. I could be wrong on that. Okay. But what's okay. interesting is, and this is, I mean, it's not a massive twist or anything, but it's not a massive spoiler. At one point, one yeah. of the girls does see him again and doesn't recognize him. Oh, interesting. But yeah. she still talks about, but when are you bringing me to Don Juan? This great love so, I have for Don Juan. And she doesn't recognize isn't him. It, isn't it criticism for like over-romanticism? Isn't he taking, uh, Ballester, isn't he taking this theme of Don Juan, which is very popular romanticism. Uh, there's a famous Don Juan version uh, uh, in the romantic era, a great play. Mm. But isn't this a, a criticism of romanticism? You know, that's what the women are doing. They just romanticize. This is a whole concept of, of just your... Yeah. This is so typical romantic, the romantic era. I mean, like, they're kind of... Just your vision will warm me up in the middle yeah. of the nights when I feel cold. And when I will be 60, I'll be thinking of your, of your right eyeball and I'll be... <laughs> so happy ever after and you know this nonsense basically i like it and i love romance but i don't what i don't like is the sexism right i don't like the womanizing um and i yeah, don't I mean, that's a, it's a, it sounds like it's a criticism of all that to be fair it is a bit, to, yeah yeah, so yeah it is really fair. criticizing that but what i don't okay, like is these the certain sexist phrases you know there's no cold women there's only men who who don't know what they're doing who aren't don't who can pick up a guitar and don't know how to play yeah. it uh you know but this it's, idea that women are easily wooed you know but again, is Bias there kind of uh, criticizing that, or do you think he's kind of uh, like representing that? He, he probably think, sounds like more than yeah, criticizing. I think it's represented to a point, but then it is overall, it is trying to criticize it. I think you know. Okay, well that that's the main point. But, but I, I mean, just, I don't know much about this. This so. bits where they talk about like, oh well, we all know what Latina women are like, you know, and it's like, I don't I don't like these kind of stereotypes when it gets a bit sexist or in that case almost racist. But I, I don't really like this sort of the conquering aspect even though i do love the the romance you know mm. um but look i'm not going to give spoilers but it gets a bit crazy near the end uh, at one point there's there's a case similar similar to um doña perfecta where the girl's being really oh, kept yeah. this time by her father she's not allowed out to see the the the, the, the man folk and she sits near her window watching the man go by and she's like getting all excited and and Donya Saul her kind of woman that looks after her is trying to persuade her like you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be interested in these men meanwhile she's being seduced wow. by Don Juan you know but um the father what a, what a, what a melodrama yeah well, what, a, what a marionella drama but we end up with the yeah. father's ghost and then it really loses me here I don't really like to go out of the realms of the possible I don't want ghosts really you know so that's where it really loses me near the end when it kind of we end up with with ghosts and things but look it's it's okay for what it is there is an admirable part where at one point don juan wants to marry a prostitute and she keeps saying but i'm only like a poor prostitute and i'm you know i'm too humble and i can't be interested in this and he says well you're beautiful and i and i love you and that's it i don't think he really sticks with her he still leaves and leaves her on her own and she pines after him forever but he, he kind of was happy to, you know, he says, my status in society is high enough that I can raise this, this prostitute up to my yeah. level. And he was never, you know, he was a rich man. He didn't worry about, about social um, problems, you know. He didn't care if he was going to be an outcast because he just does his own thing, essentially. Hmm. Well, look, uh, what's interesting, a bit of history for this novel here. This is early 60s and this is Spain. He's a mainland Spain author. And this is Franco at its 
not quite at its worst ever, but he's not a, a pleasant fellow to be around with in the 60s. Spain is not good for the artists yeah. back then. And, you know, um, I, this is one of the novels that caused the most problems, obviously, because it, it does sound like a very sexual kind of, almost like going it towards... It was pretty controversial ideas. upon release. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, and he did accept, but it also made him... Um, uh, it, it was one of the main reasons why he got accepted to teach in the State University of New York, Albany. And uh, so he went to US, so it's kind of like a, a godsend as well. So it caused him a lot of problems, but it also made it possible for him to teach in New York, which was pretty cool. So sometimes it's interesting it, that sometimes you can get good and bad things from... from it worked out well, but yeah, it was work essentially work. the cause of him leaving uh, mm. yeah, and going to New York. But as you say, it worked, it worked out well, so... Yeah. Fair enough. There's a nice line as well where they kind of ask what's the most one of the girls is capable of? What is her passion? What can she do? And she says, you know, that what I'm capable of is dying for you, you know? And I, I, I do love that. That gets me every time, that, that level of, like, uh, ultra romance, you know? <laughs> Those are all the books I've read. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up, PJ, do you have a recommendation for us this month? I'm done with uh, the recommendations. I thought we were done with the recommendations. Well, like, I, yeah. was, I suppose this... it wasn't clear if you were also. <laughs> no, I think it's better to... Uh, I think we've got enough book, books to cover, but I might as well, just for old time's sake, maybe from time to time we'll do one. And from really out of the top of my head, really did not expect it because I thought we gave them that. Uh, I am going to recommend, let's see, one book that really comes to mind that I really love. Um, but I haven't mentioned this is oh it's been so many episodes, but those will come hard after a while. Let me think. Brief seconds. Um I am going to recommend, and I might have recommended him before, uh, but I'm going to recommend Kobo Abe. And I believe I recommended the, the woman in the dunes before. Kobo Abe is like a quintessential 60s author, because we're in the 60s now. Very psychedelic. Um, talking about a lot of different themes, very existentialist actually. It's kind of like the Albert Camus of um, of uh, Japan. Okay. Uh, but I'm not recommending that book because I do think I recommended that one. So in fear of that, I'm going to talk about uh, Kani no Tao, the face of another. I think it's translated as. And I think was it written immediately afterwards. Uh, also made into a movie by Teshigahara, and it's about a man who loses his face. Uh, essentially, and he really tries to recreate it. He just wants to bond again with his woman, with his, with his, with his well, I was going to say lady friend, with his, with his wife. <laughs> Not <a> woman. <laughs> woman. And basically, he starts to reconstruct a, a face for himself. And there are two things I find really interesting about this book. Um, first of all, it actually dwells into the philosophy of the face, which is nothing, which is something I've never thought about, you know, and I find that I found it a bit slightly annoying with, for example, the reader where he goes into philosophy of law in part two of the book. Uh, but in this case, I thought, wow, this is so strange and fascinating. I never thought about faces. He actually studies faces and about it's really all about like that. He's shunned from society. We we're just talking about it with, mm. with um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And do, is he allowed? Is he allowed? Does he have to comply to the uh, um, as a social contract if he doesn't have a face because he just people ignore him he's more like a ghost he's not okay, like so a similar, monster similar he's themes like yeah good we've come full yeah. circle expert professional presenter exactly we've come <laughs> into a full circle and the thing was very interesting he does start to become a an inhuman kind of person mm. because he doesn't have a face 
and he tries to uh, reconquer his wife, but it's kind of really just depressing and sad. And she plays along. It's slightly, slightly spoiling. A lot of spoilers here. Okay. But she does kind of play along with him that he believes, he actually believes that he's got the mask and that she thinks he's another man. He's kind of, he right. kind of wants her to cheat. It, that's a bit ridiculous part, I find. But okay. um, yeah, they talk, Six Seed Japan is sometimes, it's, it's, it's too much with the ma- uh, macho, um, it's very kind of uh, anti-feminist, I find sometimes, but sometimes they also have a deeper insight to the, more twisted male soul. So it's a, it's a bit of a dark novel, but The Face okay. of Another by Kobo Abe. Well, I, we're going to be, that's the last recommendation. We're, we're done with them. But I will say quickly, if you haven't, go read or watch or experience in some way A Christmas Carol because we've just done our Christmas time. Uh, by the way, I've got some research, uh, PJ, telepathically. Oh. The book that our friend Elma was trying to recommend to us is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. 2018 oh, nice. and is moving nice. there you go cool. the telepathy wins again also the, 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 so um nice. i was gonna play one of my songs to finish but you've got a you've got a quadro there do you want to play something for us instead can indeed let me just get it out here and uh, what's what's a song you'd like to sing Dean? actually this is by the way completely improvised i know most people i don't think most people believe that the, the problem is we, we can't um when, when i try to sing with you on zoom the timing is bad so we'll have to just let you right. do it and maybe i'll do something in post but um, it's goodbye from us it's happy new year to everyone booksboys.com is where you can find us and on instagram at booksboys podcast little alfred is uh got his antlers on and he's wishing us all a merry christmas new year's race and all the rest of it and i think that's us the dj is not going to spin the record pj is going to spin the quattro um and we'll be back in about a month nice and see ya and here is the we're gonna play a song right yeah yeah let's go let's go this is this is literally not uh, planned, guys. As you might know, it's slightly unprofessional. <laughs> I am literally looking up because I I do forget them sometimes. Just looking up the chords again here. Right. So, Dean, uh, this is an unusual one. Uh, I'm going to sing Oh Tannenbaum, Oh Tannenbaum. Do you know that song? I do not. Uh, I recognize the tune. I do not recognize the, uh, yes, the lyrics. It's Oh <laughs> Christmas Tree, Oh Christmas Tree. But I do think it was written in German first. But you know, uh, you can go wild at that. You can go like hashtag you you ignoramus. But, okay. um, but I'd rather not have that hashtag as you might. Uh, and this is the song Oh Tandem by Montana, completely improvised. I just brought I just bought and brought quattro to my home. So if I make some mistakes, uh, I hope you'll find in your hearts to forgive me. Okay.
to sing an English song to be fair now. Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, The Bookish Man. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either pod safe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows, and you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! This meeting is being recorded. Oh, Dean, hold on a second. I have to get, I have to get headphones. Hold on a second. Hold on. Just keep, her, keep your trousers on. Keep your trousers on.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.